So the name of this practice is You Don't Have to Hold It Together. And um, it's inspired, quite honestly, by a lot of the conversations that I've been having um, with fellow parents over the past few weeks um, as we sort of prepare for this next phase of going back to school um, in this strange time when going back to school actually still means staying home or potentially going into hybrid models and just all of the different um, challenges and uncertainties that this presents us with. Um, that being said, this is really something that applies to um, to everyone, you know, not just parents. Though, um, though the phrase did come from a, a conversation with a friend of mine who just really commented like, oh, I just, I can't, I just can't hold it together. And um, so when we, when we think about this, um, this idea of, of holding it together, when we look at the actual nature of existence, the nature of, of existence is that, that things don't stay together, right? They actually fall apart. Things come together for a time and they fall apart. And when we look at um, what would be called in, uh, in Buddhist philosophy, the three marks of existence, I could say that, um, that all of existence is marked with, with these three basic qualities. And one of them is um, that things are impermanent. Things are always, always changing. Um, and we seem to think that we can hold things together, right? Or that in some way, um, as a, as a person, we can create this, this wholeness, right? And that's kind of the second mark of existence is that, um, is that, that there's no way to create a bubble around our situation. There's no way to just be whole as an individual or even as an individual, um, you know, family unit or something like that. Um, things are, if you haven't already noticed, kind of always all up in everything else's business, right? Things that other people do impact you, um, you know, literally, physically, or emotionally, psychologically. Uh, we're just, we're, we're completely intertwined. And so in that way, um, we could say that that mark of existence is that, um, that, that people are not, are not separate. There is no separate self. Um, and then the third mark of existence is that all of this totally sucks, right? It's just, it's the, the actual term is um, that, that it's dissatisfactory, right? Dissatisfactoriness is the third mark of existence. And that's kind of like, no kidding, right? which is a lot of, um, I know at least what I'm feeling right now are these three things of like, oh, just when I think I've gotten it together, it's going to change again. I'm, try, I'm trying to hold it together and realizing that that's a complete joke and ah, it's painful, right? Um, you know, and a lot of my own um, take on this comes again from Buddhist philosophy, which we could say, you know, um, if that doesn't resonate so much with you, you could say that, um, that, that it comes from just a very human observation that these things happen, right? This idea that being human is, is imperfect. Um, but ju but at the same time, that imperfection is is perfect ground for understanding how to work with our suffering, right? In fact, one of the very first teachings that the that the Buddha gave, um, the first turning of the wheel of Dharma, which is really Dharma is just another way of saying um, kind of a, a, a 
astute observation about life, something that felt very true based on personal experience, personal human experience, right? The first turning of the wheel are the, um, the four noble truths, right? And the first truth is this, this idea of these marks of existence and the fact that things change. It's unpleasant for us when they do. It's, it's difficult. Things can be painful sometimes and uncertain, right? That is um, the first truth just kind of this uh, difficulty, right? Unsatisfactoriness. Um, and the, the second truth is that we kind of make it worse by being like, no, and, and trying to figure out how do I get around this? How do I not experience um, this, uh, this unsatisfactoriness, this, um, this sense of being constantly bumping up against everybody else's everything and interconnectivity with everyone else's pain and suffering, right? And, you know, it's, it's like a resistance to what is, right? And that isn't to say um, that, uh, that we have to just kind of accept everything um, and, and give up, right? Be completely apathetic. It's not saying that at all. It's just saying, this is what makes it worse, right? It's already hard. And then we make it, we dig it in a little bit more. It's like if you got shot with an arrow, right? And then, um, and then you followed it with a second one that said, oh, you're so stupid for, for having this happen. You should be able to hold it together, right? This is something that I have heard myself and friends say over and over again, I'm, this is so hard. And then let me, I'm going to make it worse by beating myself up, right? So that's the second um, astute observation or the second noble truth, right? And then the third one is just the recognition that we do this, that this happens, that this is actually some situation that we create for ourselves, you know? And so that in and of itself is kind of like um, the diagnosis is, um, is actually the medicine, right? Or the beginning of, um, you could say, that you only understand your um, your illness when the cure begins, right? There's a um, actually a philosopher, I think it's uh, Francois Fenisson, uh, um, who who says that, right? You only know your malady once the cure begins, right? So that third truth is sometimes called the end of suffering because it's like you see through the way you um, the way that we all create more difficulty for ourselves, right? And then the fourth. Um, the fourth truth or the fourth observation um, is um, is simply that there's a way that we can move through life um, based on, um, you know, just having this clearer view of the way things are and of, of having an intention to, to see through this or to see this and to, to live differently or to, to examine the way that we act and speak um, the way that we choose to work and interact with one another, um, the things that we choose to focus our minds on when we actually are consciously focusing our minds, right? And the way that this can lead to um, more equanimity, right? This ability to hold all experiences and, uh, and be curious about them, to understand them before we act, before we kind of knee-jerk um, react. Um, and in any moment... Right, pretty much any moment, just like there are these three marks of existence, 
um, are also marked by just kind of three experiences of, of a moment. And you may find that on different days, you know, you're more resourced, right? You're more able to handle things that come towards you. Um, so things may roll off easier on some days than on others. And, you know, sometimes it's just useful to remember like, oh, it's, it's, it's a little harder today. So things are going to feel, right, I'm going to feel more resistance, more unpleasantness to the things that are difficult. The harder things are going to feel harder when things are hard, right? So that's the first way where you go off and it'll be like, oh, that's unpleasant. That's one way of experiencing things. And that is, that's going to happen, right? Sometimes things are pleasant, right? Like, oh, if only it could just be like this. It's, oh, it's, it's summer if you love summer. Um, and if only the weather just could stay nice, everything would be okay. We could be outside. It would be so much easier. So there's the, the desire to cling to that, right? And that clinging, right? The first one we want to push away. The second one we want to cling to. Um, and because things are impermanent, that's not going to go well for us, right? It's going to be, um, it's fine to enjoy, wonderful to enjoy in the moment. But when we start futurizing you know, futurizing into like, and if it could be like this forever, that's when, um, that's when we start to create suffering for ourselves, right? So we have this pushing away of the unpleasantness and this sort of like, um, this can't ever be, this can't ever be only good, only good. I don't want to know about the bad, right? Or the grasping, right? One is aggressive and one is clinging, right? And then the third one is just, we completely just become so sunken and disheartened, just heartened sometimes um, that there's a numbness, right? Or there's um, a not seeing at all, right? And sometimes, um, sometimes we would call this, you know, sometimes it's formally called ignorance, but it's not ignorance. Um, it's almost like a misperception or an inability to even just notice what's going on. We, it might come sometimes when we're completely overwhelmed and we just don't even know how we feel. Right, or what we're thinking. And that's usually when we get um, blindsided by an emotion. Okay, So it's hard to know when you don't know, except um, you know, maybe sometimes when you get blindsided, there's that retrospect, that aspect of being like, oh yeah, I was, over, I was so overwhelmed. Of course this hit me hard. Of course it did. Right? And um, in all of this, the voice that um, is really difficult to use with ourselves but really helpful to use with ourselves is that voice that, you know, for those of us who are parents, we try to use with our kids. And I know I often forget to, but that sort of, um, oh, oh, sweetie, oh, that was so hard for you, you know, and that, uh, that, uh, that voice of, um, or that attitude of, um, of acceptance, of kindness, Right? Not that we allow our children to just run all over us or do whatever they want, but to, um, to create more space, you know, in this case, for our inner child to feel rage, to feel frustration, to feel um, sadness, or to feel joy, or to feel a moment of lightness or ease, right? that we um, can accept that. So in this practice that we're going to do um, today, I'm going to just invite you to, um, to let things kind of fall apart a little bit, right? Knowing that you're creating um, an intentional container of time 
and space to do this, right? This is not a time when you have to solve anything or fix anything or change anything or, 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 or anything like that, right? This is just an opportunity to um, release and receive support. Um, and you can allow my voice to be um, the guide for this as you move through it. You know, and you could, um, you could, if you needed to, or if you wanted to right now, you, you could, you could lie down as you do this, right? Maybe, you know, that would feel good, right? Or you might feel really, really activated and what you need to do is stand up and feel yourself walking or feel, feel your feet on the ground and your body moving, right? So you feel quite embodied, right? One is more of a surrender into being held by the earth and the other is more of, um, of a sense of moving through space and feeling your whole body, right? Or you might just sit and really feel yourself sitting down and being supported by what you sit on and, and letting that taking of your seat be a commitment to yourself in this moment, right? To, to take this time, right? And you call that holding your seat, Right? And whenever you start to feel the urge to get up and go do something else in any of this, right, then there's something really powerful about just remembering, oh, I'm holding my seat, whether that's your seat of walking or standing meditation or lying down meditation or sitting meditation. Yeah. So go ahead and just find whichever one of these, um, you know, these resonate with you. Right, we'll just call it taking your seat and we'll know what it means. Yeah. And just take a few breaths to feel yourself touching the earth wherever you are. Right, taking a few big full breaths, if you can, in through the nose and maybe out through the mouth. be breathing into your body and also into the earth that's holding you. And as the breath flows out, just receiving, um, receiving that support. Or it could just be something as simple as breathing all the way in and knowing that you're breathing all the way in. And then breathing all the way out. Being aware of that too. And if you'd like to stay for a few minutes just with this very simple awareness of breathing in and breathing out, you could pause this 
and just spend some time with that to start. Or if you'd like to continue on, this is just a little breathing technique. It's based on an alternate nostril breath. It comes from um, yoga, yoga philosophy, yoga teachings, um, with a little riff on it. Um, it's called Nadi Shodhana, alternate nostril breathing. But we're going to do it a little, a little differently. So go ahead and take um, your right hand. Take the two fingers that would make peace fingers. Right, so that's the pointer and the middle finger. Um, and bring those two fingers together and then place them on um, what's sometimes called your third eye. But we could just say that it's above the bridge of your nose and between your eyebrows. And then you would allow your thumb to rest just above the flap. Right, there's a little indentation of your right nostril. And then the ring and pinky to rest just above the indentation flap of the left. And just take a few breaths here. In and out through the nose. And then we'll try a few cycles of breathing in through both nostrils and then pinching off the right side and just breathing out through the left side. Okay. And then releasing the thumb, breathing in through both nostrils. And again, pinching off that right nostril so it's closed and just breathing out through the left. Okay. So we're going to do this a few times. You might imagine that each time that you breathe out, that you're releasing any sort of um, clinginess, grasping, okay? releasing any sort of sense right now of needing to kind of get it right or approval seeking, even from yourself. And then we're going to switch and we're going to breathe in through both nostrils and pinch off the, the left nostril, breathe out through the right. And check in with your jaw, make sure it's relaxed. Breathing in through both nostrils. And pinching off the left, breathing out through the right. You need to breathe a little through your nose, that's okay, mouth through other, that's okay too, but to do it with the nostrils. And each time you breathe out right, just releasing any sort of sense of like aggression or sense of wanting to go on the war path, right? Attacking, <clears throat> getting, right? That sort of sense. Or if, there's, if you're feeling a lot of anger right now, anger is fine, right? But just Letting some of some of the edge off, right? And we'll work with the with the more productive side of that um, that wisdom in a moment, right? But for now, just letting off the rejecting, right, of the situation, right, the fiery. And then go ahead and take a moment to give your hand a rest and just breathing through both nostrils. Right, and then we're going to move to the alternate nostril version of this. So just bringing those two piece fingers up again between the brow line, the 
fingers resting on the flaps of the nose. And we'll start just by breathing in through both nostrils. And pinching off the right, exhaling through the left. Inhaling through the left. Top of the inhalation, pinch off the left side, release the right side, breathe out. Inhale through the right side. Top of the inhalation. Hold it. Release. Exhale out through the left side. Inhaling through the left. The top pinching off, releasing the right. Exhaling through the right. If you need to go faster or slower than what I'm instructing, please feel free. Okay. As you keep switching back and forth, you might imagine that as you're breathing in through the left side, that you are breathing in, taking in um, cool energy. You could say um, the aspects of you that want to connect. want to co-create, right, to be part of something, connectivity, and the wisdom um, of that. It's almost like a magnetizing quality, right? And each time that you breathe in through the right side, right, breathing in um, the energy, that wisdom energy um, that knows how to cut through confusion, right, that recognizes when something doesn't feel right and that confidence that comes from knowing clearly, really clearly knowing. The energy of that, we could say that it's um, like a pacifying enlivening, strengthening quality. So just one more round, alternating nostrils. And you can just release your hand and breathe um, normally through both nostrils. I'm spending a little bit of quiet time here like this. Letting your attention rest on the feeling of breathing. But with an awareness of the the thoughts that come up, what bubbles up, what asks for your attention.
And instead of needing to do anything about what asks for your attention, just, just noticing. You can imagine that your voice is there um, to care for you, right? The voice of your breath is there to care for you. So perhaps um, as you exhale, you could imagine just kind of Releasing, right? releasing whatever it is um, that you feel like you need to hold on to, hold together, right? Just for this breath, right? Just really letting it all the way out. Right? And breathing in and really receiving um, the support of the earth. Feeling the steadiness of your own seat. Perhaps as you inhale, you feel yourself grounding into your body, into the earth. And as you're exhaling, just receiving support. Just as you are in this moment. And so it could really go either way. Whichever one resonates more for you. Allowing your mind to rest in this um, in this really accepting space. Feeling the consistent rhythm of your breath just there, right, just there for you. not expecting you to do anything more than to just know that it's there. That it keeps flowing in and out. Even when you forget and you lose track. Just spending a few more minutes just quietly releasing and receiving.
there is a phrase that comes from um, a social meditation practice that I do. This is usually a, a group practice, but it can apply just simply to working with your own mind. And this phrase simply is holding space. We feel our tenderness in nowness. And this is bravery. So if you like, you could even place your own hand on your own tender heart. Feeling the breath, feeling the heartbeat. Your seat, whatever it may be. You could say that when we work in this way with our minds, that we place our minds in our hearts. And there's a wisdom that arises um, just quite naturally from that place that comes not just from knowing, but from feeling. Sometimes this is called um, bodhicitta. Bodhi just means awake, and chitta is a way of talking about um, our minds being in our hearts. Right? So you could just say, feeling your heart mind. And this is a little dedication um, that I've been doing in my own practice. Right? So I'll just offer the end of this practice with this dedication. And it says, may bodhicitta, the awakened heart mind, precious and sublime. Arise where it has not yet come to be. Where it has arisen, may it not decline, but grow and flourish ever more and more. And most definitely offering yourself um, a little nod or bow of acknowledgement for taking this time to kind of steady yourself, right? to create time for yourself. Thank you so much for practicing with me.